Please sit comfortably. Evening, everyone. Evening, everyone on Zoom. Um, you may have noticed that some of the talks I've been giving recently, I've kind of been rambling my way through the, the four noble abodes, which there was, I did one on equanimity and compassion during the session and one on joy. So there's another one left to complete the four, which is um, loving kindness. So there's loving kindness, compassion, joy and equanimity. So let me say a few words about that tonight. Um, other, other synonyms for loving kindness would be um, benevolence, um, even um, goodwill, um, altruism. A little bit different from compassion in that compassion is about um, the, the ending of trying to assist with the end of suffering or reducing suffering, but loving kindness is just something which is there for, for, other, for yourself and other people, whether people are suffering or not. So it's just a, a sense of you know, benevolence and goodwill that we extend to the world. And um, loving, let's distinguish between loving kindness and loving kindness meditation, because in the Zen tradition, um, at least the Japanese version of it, there isn't any loving kindness meditation. Mm -hmm. And when I think back of all of my Zen teachers, Kabori Roshi and Japan, Robert Aiken in Hawaii, Joko. I can't remember any of them ever teaching a loving kindness meditation um, because it's not part of the tradition and I'll explain why in a minute. But um, nevertheless, um, Vietnamese Zen teachers like Thich Nhat Hanh, he was you know, very famous for um, teaching loving kindness meditation metta. And in, in the Zen tradition, um, uh, people like um, my friend Ezra Bader, you know, from the from the um, the um, San Francisco Zen Center, Ezra felt introduced a form of loving kindness meditation into Zen because he felt there was something missing from it. So in his teaching, it's there, but he teaches it in a way where he gets us to look at what blocks us from feeling this experience, you know, not just trying to cultivate a feeling. But myself and, and teachers like Barry Madgett in the tradition are not really that keen on, on loving-kindness meditation as a, as a practice. Um, that doesn't mean we don't value the importance of, of loving-kindness. Mm -hmm. But loving-kindness meditation um, cultivates a sort of an inner feeling state. You know, there's, there's variations on it, but one of them is about starts off with sending a sense of goodwill to your, towards your own happiness and your own health and your own well-being, and then you extend it to someone in your life that you feel very close to and warm towards, and then you extend it to someone who is neutral, and then you extend it to someone who is challenging in your life. Mm -hmm. So it goes from the easy outward, you know, so that's the way of, of doing it. Um, uh, I, I don't teach it, one, not just because it's not part of the tradition, but I, I don't practice it myself and I don't get much out of it. So there's no point me teaching something that I don't practice myself. But it just doesn't fit 
with me as a practice. And traditional Zen practice, so in like with someone like Thich Nhat Hanh or some of the Tibetan teachers or Theravada teachers, their, their approach is it is to try and cultivate a feeling which will then presumably affect our actions. So our speech becomes kinder and our actions become kinder. But the Zen view of it is um, really not to interfere in your mind. And it's really the Zen practice like the sword of wisdom is more about cutting away the delusions and attachments that restrict you or stop your true self from coming forward. So your true self is loving and expansive and connected. So the Zen approach is it's indirect rather than direct. So cut away all the obstacles, right? And and um, and then your, your true nature will come forth, right? Um, or to use a, a metaphor that Mark used at breakfast the other day, do you know if you, you get clean the barnacles off the boat, it'll it'll smoothly go through the water. Uh-huh. Um, wishing that the boat will go through the water won't make it go any faster, but if you clear the barnacles off, right, something different might happen. So they're the different approaches. One is direct. It's like trying to draw this feeling out and actually cultivate it. And the, and the Zen, the more traditional Zen approach is um, you're, it's like you, you're trying to manufacture something, you know, you're trying to manufacture a feeling and it kind of gets in the way. Now, what I think is important, which is similar to um, loving kindness meditation, is really to practice being non-judgmental towards your own experience and towards others. And it's sort of similar to loving kindness, um, but it's not adding something there onto it. Um, if, you're, if you're really practising being non-judgmental, you're not critical of yourself, you don't have to have an antidote, you know, to be nice to yourself. It's just that you, you're doing nothing. Just being, you're taking judgement out of the whole issue. And if you do that, my experience is then if you, if you truly do practice being non-judgmental towards yourself, kindness will emerge all of its own, like, like water coming out of a spring. And, and then it, if you're not judging others, it will be conveyed to them in some kind of way as well. But to me, personally, doing loving kindness, it's like when I drink tea, I don't drink tea with sugar in it because I like the taste of tea as it is, right? And to me, love, you know, having loving kindness like putting a, a spoonful of tea in it. I don't want sweet tea. I like the taste of tea as it is. And I remember years ago I gave a talk on this. This is going back a long time. But the title of the talk was Sweet Loving Kindness and Salty Wisdom. Right? So people have different tastes in the Dharma just like they have different tastes in food. And some people like sweet loving kindness, you know. Um, other people like me have got more savoury tastes and we like, you know, the, the salty wisdom. So you have to really choose what works for you. You know, I, I, I don't teach it, but it's similar to being what I've learned as a psychologist is that um, there are, you know, just like I have might have favourite types of therapies that I think work for people and I feel comfortable with. 
at the end of the day, I have to recommend to someone what works for them. Not, not for me to push my barrow about my therapy or whatever, but if doing CBT therapy or something works for them and, and that's where they get a benefit from, well, that's what you should do. And so I want to emphasise, even though I don't teach loving-kindness meditation, if you find that it works for you, then please, please do it. You know, um, I'd encourage you to do it. Um, but somehow it doesn't, doesn't quite... Um, uh, fit for me uh, as something to do. I tried it th- tonight. I tried tried it on, um, <laughs> test run it, and it's like it, it just doesn't just doesn't do anything for me. Um, I'd rather just go back to just experiencing what I'm experiencing in in some um, clearer kind of way. But what what's also important to remember around this is that. Um, Really what the most important things are is not whether you cultivate loving, kind feelings, but really it's your actions and your speech in the, in the world. So what is more important is that your speech is kind and that your actions are kind. And as I said in session, often we have this idea we've got to create the feelings and then our speech and actions flow on from there. Well, that might work for some people, but what I find works for people, if there's a, a commitment to speaking kindly and acting kindly, the feelings follow. Yeah? See, it's more like the other way round. And it is important to practice, I mean, something I can I completely sign up to. It is important to be um, kind in the way that we speak to other people. And it is important that our, our actions are kind. So you might get there just from doing the speech or the actions, or you might get there through generating the feelings and it emerges from there. But what one concern I have about loving kindness as a as a a practice is that if it just ends up being a way of feeling good, like some people go to church on Sunday because it makes them feel good, but does it actually flow over into kind actions and speech or you just have a good feeling about yourself because you've done the meditation or you've, you know, you've chanted a few hymns, you know. And I remember I did go to a, a loving kindness, a 10-day loving kindness, the Pasana retreat once where this was the practice all the way through and didn't, didn't do much for me. Um, but some other people said that they felt very ecstatic and so on. But but then afterwards, some of them weren't speaking kindly. You know? And they were speaking in a very self-centred kind of way. So I kind of went, yeah, well, you know. Um, if it doesn't flow on to the speech and the words and, and the actions, what's, what's it really worth? Mm-hmm. But... Let me say, in you know, not not be too cynical about it, is that you know, whichever way we get there, um, the the cultivation of loving kindness, um, compassion, joy, and equanimity are the emotional expressions of the the awakened self. So whichever way we get there, um, you know, the more that those experiences manifest in our life is what the practice is all about.